and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's episode is a dog and cat chat with Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea, for coming on the podcast and taking some time to talk with me about your pets. Thank you. It's nice to talk to somebody. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about them, what your current situation is, and what I can do to help. Yeah. So I previously had, well, currently have two cats who are very social and outgoing boys. My previous dog that I had was a like old man chihuahua. He (laughs) got along with them great. They had a great relationship. And then after he passed away, I decided to get another dog. So I kind of put it out into the universe that I was okay with getting a dog with behavioral issues as long as he didn't have health issues. And I guess the universe heard me and they delivered. So I got Bucky and he is a great dog, but he has some reactivity issues. We've been working a lot on that. Um, And at first he was super like neutral towards my cat. So I thought that was like the perfect place to start. Um, And then my cat started treating him like they treated Chico and would try to play with him or come up and bat him or get close to his face. And then I think he kind of eventually started to form a negative association with them. And then after that, it was a little challenging because they would end up chasing each other. um, And he kind of did some like resource guarding of the bed. And after that, it was a little bit hard to like get back to like a a base or a neutral. Got it. Okay. So how long has Bucky been in the house? So he's been in the house for a year since May. And then I would say in the last like four months is when he started to just like chase the cats off the bed or be a little bit more grumpy towards them. So is it like chase them on site or is if he's on the bed and they come up, like what, what are the, the trigger points that tend to happen? First of all, what are the cats' names? Oh, Seal and Gus are the cats. Seal and Gus, Seal like R R. Uh, S-E-A-E-L, like the animal. <laughs> Got it. Yes. And then Gus. Gus. And so it started to mostly be because he was sleeping and then they would try to like jump on him when he was sleeping, just being like silly cats and he didn't appreciate that so then it got to the point I have like a little stairs that go up to my bed so he doesn't have to jump up on it all the time so he would hear the footsteps on the stairs he'd be under the blankets and then he'd come out from under the blankets chasing him off the bed you know doing his like growl lungy snappy thing that he would do when he's in like reaction mode Mm -hmm. and that's kind of gotten a little bit better because I've what I've started doing is just he sees the cat start to walk up in the bed I toss him a treat just doing some like reconditioning with them hoping that that will help and it does help he has gotten better with them but I just think they need more of a relationship building type of things to kind of get because they were neutral and then that just makes it so easy in my thoughts for him to tip to negative but he doesn't really have like a positive thought process of them yeah So what's really interesting is you're doing some reactivity training with him outside of this, so we can touch on that a little bit. But what is fascinating about what you have chosen to do is where, like, they come up the steps and he gets a cookie is classical conditioning, right? 
good things happen when cats come up the steps. However, I think what I heard in your voice, you're like, it's working. (laughs) I just, there's a step that's missing. Like there's something that I'm just not quite, that's not quite there yet. Yeah. So, so my initial thought is yes, cookies are good, but is that what he wants in that moment? Oh, right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He really might like food and that's wonderful. But if the cats are still encroaching on his space while this is happening, you're unlikely to get that full positive association because he's now, he's kind of like conflicted. He's like, I like cookies, but they're still there. Maybe they're not bothering me as much. So it's like better, but you know, it's a little like furrowed brows that he probably like picture his face yes. right? he's like yeah i got a cookie now what yeah. so if we think more about like the functional reinforcers of that situation we can take a step back and say like can we just tweak that procedure a little bit to hopefully make it a truly positive experience for him right. rather than meh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. so Let's see if we can get this straight. So this is one particular situation that we're going to focus on. I'm sure there are other areas. There are, of- and this is the one that's just a little bit more this challenging. This is spot. Yeah. Okay, good. I love working on sticky spots. They make, they focus me. Um, so <laughs> we have a great precursor, which is kitty cat feet up the steps. Right. right? So kitty cat feet up the steps and his bed is right there. Correct. Right, yeah. Is it like right there? Well, like- so it's just up to, he usually is just relaxing on our bed. Okay. So there's no like bed on no, bed. No, yeah, no bed on bed. He usually just kind of stays up into the top middle. So there's a, a foot or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what your, your house looks like. I don't know what your bedroom looks like. But is there a way that we can make it easier for him to choose a spot on the bed that is slightly further away than the steps. So like if he he prefers sleeping near your pillow, for example, if you put the stairs at the foot of the bed, (laughs) then you've just given yourself an extra three feet. Absolutely. You could also, if he likes dog beds, otherwise you could actually put a dog bed on the bed to indicate to him like this is a good spot okay and if it happens to be further from the stairs you have a little bit more leeway for this now why are we starting with that because we want to set everyone up as for success as much as possible because the functional reinforcer that we're looking for is that if cats are coming up they do not bother me like they stay further away (laughs) And so if he is further away from the coming up the steps cats, then he's going to be less likely to feel like he needs to react immediately. The next step would be, can we encourage the cats to leave him alone? And so I would actually be focusing on when the cats come up the steps, having them head to a specific other spot on the bed get reinforced for that. And he also gets a cookie for staying where he yeah. is relaxed. So we're still using your cookie idea. Yes. We, he likes cookies. It's obviously working enough, right? Yeah. right? You're seeing some improvement. 
So we do want to keep that cookie aspect of it. But we want to also say, okay, cats, you don't get a free pass for being annoyed. <laughs> they are. They've got no shame. They just are like, oh, you're mad at me? That's fine. Let me come up closer. So yeah. <laughs> right. And so a relationship is built on trust and predictability, right? So if he can't trust that they will listen when he is screaming right. at them, they're not going to have a good relationship. So we need to teach them, the cats, <laughs> that when he is giving off all kinds of FU signals, that they should back off. Now, we have a little bit of like annoying little brother syndrome that seems to be happening a little bit where it's like back off is hilarious yeah. and not actually right. scary. So that's when you actively reinforcing them for backing off okay. comes in. You're, you're the parent who says, all right, annoying kid, you know, obviously like your sister could be, well, he's a brother, yes. but your older brother is mad, <laughs> right? Come over here and watch yeah. TV, get out yeah. of his face, yeah. right? <laughs> so if you think about it like that, you basically have doubly reinforced Bucky for remaining calm with both the cookie and the cats coming up, but moving away from him. How does that land? That seems you? possible. My cats are, like, I don't work on a lot of specific training with them just because I haven't, but they are willing to, and they they could potentially, they could definitely, I think, make that happen. Yeah. Do they hang out on the bed at other yeah. times, or do they just come up there to piss him off? No, they do. The bed's kind of just like a just like a touch point for everybody in the house. They'll I'll come home from work. They'll be sleeping on the bed every so often. Yeah, so it's, it's all of them together. Um, no, no, not all of them together. When I'm home, when I'm not home, I keep them separate just for a safety sake, just to be be sure. But they they have they've been on the couch all together at once. It's kind of like a specifically the bed zone is where things are otherwise they do have some like other random just I, I always wonder wow. if they have a gauge on Bucky's body language you know if they look if they're walking past him and he's getting nervous of them he'll just kind of like put his head down and slink and try to make himself seem small and I always wonder if the cats get that like if they can read dog body language or if it just doesn't come across to them well, the secondary question is, if they can read it, do they care? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so when you're thinking like objectively in the dictionary of cat or like translation book, what is that called? I don't know. The book that is like this, this language to this language. Okay. Cats, dog language. In that cat and dog body language, when they are stressed and kind of like trying to make themselves look small, yeah, similar, yeah, like it's not completely like diametrically opposed, right? So they probably at least recognize some semblance of it, and they've had a bunch of interactions to be able to like right. you know see okay when he does this, consequences X, Y, and Z happen. The question is then, do they see those signals as relevant to affect their own behavior, right? Either to move away or to say, yes, 
he's feeling weird. I'm going to pick him. Pat him on the head. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, you know, we, we love our animals. We can like to think that they're, you know, not assholes on purpose. And, and most of the time they're not. Oh, but the cats, they have, they get some fun out of it. They get, cats really just love, that's why I love cats. That's why I always thought I was a cat person until I had a dog. And then I had a dog who's like, let me please you. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You don't just want to get in my face all the time and yell at me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is something not uniquely cat, but there is some cats who are just like get off on the, the ridiculous reactions that they can get from other beings. Not, that's probably not all that motivates them, but in certain situations, I think that's just like, that's, it's just for the funsies of it. So what I would like to do is to try to have you be looking at Bucky's body language. And when you see those precursor behaviors before the cats get that gleam in their eye, Mm -hmm. (laughs) either step between them or call the cats away if possible that might mean working on their recall they know their names well it's just having them want to come to me right and it it could be something as subtle as just a head turn away from bucky will help him feel more comfortable and it also might distract them from their original pursuit of his face but (laughs) but it might not have to be a full recall although that is a really good skill to and it will be fun for them to learn. So that would be my like training recommendation okay. for your kind of general purpose. Bucky wants space. Cat's not giving him space scenario. Yeah. The specific version being our protocol that we talked about for the bed. One other thing that you do instead of it being a kind of reactive thing where you see cats going up on bed, you treat cats where they should be and you treat Bucky where he should be, is that you set this up on purpose in a way that is controlled. So you're not being like, well, let's just see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned that they have been on the bed, mostly the couch together. I'm assuming that you were in between them. Yes, I was in between them. Um, there's times where they will like choose right and know that they can sleep next to Bucky as long as they're not in his face. Like that's the part that gets him set off is like the front facial contact. So they'll come up and they'll turn. And so they'll just be butt to butt sleeping together, touching each other. And they handle that mm-hmm. just fine. And it, it's very, the other part is so hit or miss now because there has been improvement and then there's not. So it's like sometimes it'll be fine and then sometimes whole react. So they, that's kind of the hard time where I do the thing where I'm just like, let's see if this is going to be a good time or not. And then without actually, you know, like creating a plan. Right. So here's my, here's the plan that we could do. One is to actively work on getting them good on their like specific bed Mm -hmm. zones. So like if they were going to be on the bed, they're going to choose their zone most often. Not all the time, but you know. It seems to be their their go-to place. And then I would have time during the day. I don't know what your work schedule or whatever is, what your life looks like. But where you're on the bed in between them and Bucky is up there and then you actively invite the cats up while Bucky is already doing something. Whether he's doing a chew, I don't want him to resource guard that if he does. Right. He, He does not. I usually just 
when I feed them, I feed them separately anyway. So I don't like know how he would be with them, honestly. But like with me sitting on the bed, if he has a chew, there's no sort of resource guarding there. So it's not a huge issue. I'd have to test it out a little bit more for safety's sake. Yes. So I would, and it doesn't have to be a chew. It could just, depending on whether he just likes snuggling next to you, like that could be enough, but really just being like, okay, the cats came up when I asked them. So you know exactly when to start reinforcing. Yeah. You can then be like, great. Now Bucky gets a cookie. The cats get cookies over here. Cookie, cookie, cookie. And then Before the shit hits the fan, you then say, okay, cats, let's go somewhere else. (laughs) You go with them, close the door or something just to like end the session very clearly for all of them and give them time to go cool down, do whatever. And that should help those times when you're not there and this, well, you're not staring at them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about all that? I think that that is that can work. Like, I think I can make that happen. That's not, it's just adding that extra part that I just wasn't quite doing. I was just focusing on just like the basics of like classical conditioning. And I was like, Oh, well this, this is working a little bit, but yeah, not getting all the way there. Yeah. And that it's not wrong. Right. It's slower. Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, it's going to get you like 85% of the way there. Right. But for people listening classical conditioning is irregardless that's not a word but you know what i mean anyone mean girls irregardless Irregardless. (laughs) (laughs) something happens another thing happens no matter what the animal is doing so bucky would get a cookie even if he's losing his brain on the bed ideally we've set it up so that he is not feeling like he needs to do that and the food is starting to happen early enough that he has not already exactly yeah it's all about that's what i've been trying to do is capturing that moment before it happens that's ideal but also when things happen it happens and you like you're you can still chuck food at him (laughs) yes exactly get him to move away and (laughs) them to move away we don't want that to be every time that would be very slow Um, (laughs) but yeah when the cats come up his life should not get worse right that's a great plan yeah awesome Love it. Do you have any other questions? Let me see. I know that I wrote some down, so let me make sure I'm not missing anything. When it comes to things like that, so for some background, I'm a I'm a licensed veterinary technician. So I'm working with animals all the time, but I've only recently gotten to the behavioral side of it mm-hmm. with them since having Bucky. And so I've been doing a lot of continued education for myself because now it's a secondary passion at this point. Mm-hmm. When it comes to just basically having the cat be a stressor in his life in the home, would you see that translating into his other reactivity as well in the sense of like having that constant like trigger stacking there almost? Like, do you think that that's potential with his progress with other things too? Yeah. The level to which he is co- consistently baseline stressed by the cats. Right depends on what you're seeing. But yes, the theory being that if reactivity primarily happens outside, then the goal is that decompression can happen inside the home. And if that full decompression can't happen, then you're going to get continuous trigger stack. So I would be bumping up enrichment as much as possible for him 
getting a lot of sniffing in if possible, but also using your management to like make sure that he has ample time to actually rest away from the cats. And it's not just when you're not home. Right. Yeah. So the good thing here is that you're going to be working on skills with him, which you're already doing, I'm assuming for reactivity reasons. And you're also going to say, hey, cats, let's start doing some training. And they can be in a completely separate space from him. He can go do whatever he needs to do to, like, take a, you know, have a little Bucky spa time. Right. (laughs) And they do not have access to each other during that time, even though you are home. So there's extra decompression built in for him. Absolutely. Which should help. You're a vet tech, so you are more qualified than me in terms of whether his he has generalized anxiety aspects, if there's medication on board. But yeah. if we're talking about true trigger stacking with no obvious respite, then yeah, usually I would recommend medication be discussed if just the lifestyle does not allow for like obvious. Absolutely. It's like at the point where it's not super severe, so I haven't put him on anything, but I do have a, I'm on a waiting list for a veterinary behaviorist so I can get, I just don't want to trial medications for six weeks and then have it not be the right one and then go through so many trials um, by just doing it with my general practitioner. So we're on a waiting list with a veterinary behaviorist. Yeah. That makes sense. To hopefully just get things a little bit more fine-tuned and pointed. Not that I won't have to do that anyways, but I think it'll be maybe a bit more like true diagnosis instead of that a general practitioner is just not often used to giving. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that, I mean, the the VB, that's veterinary behaviors, might say, you know what? You're doing well. You exactly. might not need that. And that's totally great. The, the question of trigger stacking is always going to go hand in hand in that discussion with whether there needs to be any kind of help. (laughs) If the environment, if the environment is not helping, then we need to do something else to counteract that. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the easy way to think about it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that he's not getting these like acute stress spikes when they're, you know, invading his space and you working on being able to have them get reinforced for moving away from him, just having doing enrichment around the space away from him in general will help. And we should hopefully get that last hurdle for that bed thing. Thank you. I appreciate your advice. It's very helpful. It's like, I I feel like I think of everything and then I talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and I'm like, oh, I didn't think of everything. (laughs) It's always good to get a second pair of eyes. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes. And if you know someone who has cats and dogs and maybe they'd like their pets to get along a little better, please pass the information for this episode or any other episode of this show onto them. I would love for everyone in the world who needs this kind of information to get access to the show and be able to get the resources that they need. And if you want to do a dog and cat chat with me on the podcast, make sure to go to praiseworthypets.com slash chat and you'll be able to head to my link and schedule a time. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Thank you.